Good morning. I figured I might find this because I'm going to need it this morning. How about that? Do you have your Bibles with you? Make sure you have, if you have a copy of God's Word, open it up to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to continue our series this morning. Hey, we get to talk about today and over the next several weeks some of the most practical, like real-life, common-sense, everyday application from God's Word. So, so the question is, when we go through and study our Bible and read it and, and, we, and we learn about these things, does it really make a difference in life? Is it really supposed to show up in how we live? And this is where we really see it. It's a good chance for us to learn to apply the Scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4 is that passage about growth right? We're talking about growing up in the Lord, in Christ Jesus. And last week, we talked about learning Christ as part of that process. Not just learning from Christ, learning Christ himself as a lifestyle, as a way of life to be like Jesus, to abide in him. And so I want to pick up, read a few verses, and then I want to tell you an illustration, a story, and then we'll get into the text, okay? Starting in verse 17, I'm backing up. It said, This I say, therefore, and testify to the Lord that there should, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. So you see he's saying there's a different way of life here. You should, you should live differently in the futility of their mind. We don't want to live that way. Having their understanding darkened. We don't want to walk that way. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness that is in their heart. We don't, we don't want to walk that way who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. We don't want to live that way. And then verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. You don't have to live that way. If indeed you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now watch this, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt, according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, there's a couple of things just to kind of get started. There's this analogy here, like the scriptures so often do, teach us something in terms that we can understand. There's a putting off and a putting on. You agree with me? Right? The, the focal point of our text, verse 22 says, put off the old man. Verse 24 says, then put on the new man. So there's a putting off and a putting on. And, and there's some, some truths of application we can draw from that analogy. Just like you put off your San Francisco Giants jersey because it's no good. And you put on your Chicago Cubs jersey because it's better. No? You guys are a tough crowd this morning. I already messed it up. Okay, you can switch it around if you want to in your mind, right? Futility of your mind, but that's okay. You can do it anyway. Put off something so that you can put on something, okay? Just a couple of basic guiding principles here. It shows us two things, this analogy of putting off and putting on. Number one, it's a choice, right? Whatever we're going to be talking about here is a choice that God's Word is presenting to us. We have to make a choice here. I found, I don't know about you, but I found in life that Choices oftentimes will lead me either the right direction or the wrong direction, and it all depends on my own personal thinking, right? And how quickly that can happen. In our home, Julie and I have a time, maybe some of you do too in your marriages, a time every day 
where we come home and Julie comes home from work and I come home from work and we have a little bit of time where we just connect with one another and just sort of put away the distraction of the world, right? How's your day and how are you doing? And I've made it a purpose, guys, to use that time, whether it's only 30 minutes or, or, or not, to use that time to really care for my wife, right? And, and, and that's what I, I sit down in our little sitting area, get my glass of iced tea and Julie gets her cup of tea and I'm making a choice to put her first and care for her. But what I've noticed is how quickly that can change by choice. See, Julie has this little cat, and I'm just gonna be vulnerable with you this morning, okay? You're either gonna really like me or you're gonna really hate me after this, but I don't like cats. I'm sorry. See, you're either gonna really like me or you're gonna really hate me, right? I'm sorry, I just, I don't, I've never have, church I was working at years ago, the, the staff gave me a gift one Christmas, a sign to put in my office at the church. It said, looking for your cat? Have you checked underneath my tires? That's, right? That, that just kind of tells you, people that know me, I'm just not really a cat fan. And Julie has this little cat, and she loves her cat to death, and Oliver is his name, and he comes up, and, you know, I mean, all day long, he totally, completely ignores her, except for that one 30-minute period of time that's mine, right? This is why I hate cats. And, and, and he just jumps up, and he, he rubs on her and goes back and forth and climbs up on the chair behind her and wraps around her head. I mean, just invasive, like, you're not going to pay attention to anything in this world but me. And, and, you know, Julie really likes it. It's, you know, just fine with her. But I kind of get on the edge of my seat and, and kind of try to shoo him away a little bit gently. And that never works because cats are, are sin nature wrapped up in a ball. And so they're just rebellious. And that's why, you know, it just, no, he senses, he knows what's going on. He knows I want him to leave, and, and that makes him all the more persistent to get right there between, you know. And then, before you know it, I'm talking, I'm trying to care for Julie and, 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 and hear about her day and see how I can minister to her. And all of her affection and all of her attention is on this cat. And usually I get pretty, I make a choice. I usually don't put off the old man. I usually put him on and wear him. And it sometimes, I'm not kidding, sometimes turns into quite the fiasco with me running full speed through the house, chasing the cat over the back of couches, sliding across the kitchen countertops, throwing things. We have broken things going. And then, you know, before, and the cat's making this horrible sound the whole way that just, he knows he's going to get caught and he's just, ah! And there's fur flying, there's things flying, and before you know it, the dog gets into the chase because there's only so much a dog can stand, right? And, and she is just high speed now, slipping and sliding on the, high, on the hardwood floors, and man, I'm telling you, it turns into a mess, and I eventually catch the cat, and I won't finish the story, let me just tell you this, it's not kind, and it's not gentle. And what I forget is, the whole purpose of that time for me is to sit down and care for my wife. And the whole reason we have a cat is because of my wife. It makes, he makes her happy. And you see how quickly I forget, it's not about what makes her happy anymore. It's about my goals and, and what gets in the way of doing what I think. And before you know it, it changes from something that is spiritual, something that is nurturing, something that is good for a marriage, into something very, very bad. Because usually when I hurt the cat, it ends up hurting me. 
You see what I'm saying? How quickly that choice turns poorly, but we have a choice to make. The second thing about this analogy that, that I notice here is you can't do both at once. So it implies that there's a choice, put off concerning former conduct, the old man, and then verse 24, put on the new man which was created for something specific. You see, it's one or the other. Because I think oftentimes Christians today, those of us who are trying to learn to walk with God, find that it's just easier if we just try to do both at once. Because the old man, you know, it's more convenient and it's, it, it's just it's too difficult costs too much to get rid of that old way of thinking. So I'll keep him, but I'll just put some of the new man on too. I'll just cover myself up with Jesus to make it so that I'm walking with God. And the problem is you can't do that according to what Paul says here. He says you put one off and put the other on, or you put one on and put the other off. There's a choice to make. So let's look at these two. First one, the old man. Defining what is the old man. I mean, this is not age, right? This is not a guy that's 95 as in contrast to somebody who's 35. It's not talking about age. It's talking about former, the old, what used to be. And, and there's three words that I would use to help us understand what this old man is. Number one is, is disposition, right? What is your disposition? I looked up some things this week just to kind of get an understanding and a, a good grasp on this. A state of mind, like what it, your state of mind, your nature, your inclination that comes from self rather than God. That's what the old man is. The old man is sin nature, the part of us that we inherited from the original sin, Adam and Eve when they sinned, and now we all have that nature. We're born with it. It's part of being human today. We have an inclination our prevailing tendencies are for self and not God. It tends to lead us away from God. Um, now, let's just be careful here. Just separate something. There, a distinction. The mind of mankind is incredibly capable. What, what mankind has achieved intellectually is amazing. It is a gift from God. You think about it. What we're able to do with our, with our minds, with our, with our brains, we're, we unravel the mysteries of the universe. Think about what we know now. We found ways to split atoms. You, you can hardly even see them. We found ways to split them, create energy. We can map DNA. We can weigh and measure Millions of stars that we didn't even know existed a thousand years ago. You see how capable? I mean, the human brain is very capable intellectually. But as capable as it is, as smart as we may be with our intellectual power, our heart and mind is always blinded to spiritual things. So we can split the atom and map the universe and, and, and draw out DNA, yet when it comes to moral choices, we tend to do what's simply just wrong. Even though it's not confusing or complex, we tend to choose self over what God wants. That's our nature that we're born with, every single one of us. Is that really true? Does every single person born with that nature? How many parents in the room? Parents? Okay, grandparents too, right? If you're a grandparent... You're a parent. 
How many remember the first time your little child, especially the first one, told a lie? Pretty young, right? Or the first time they reached over and smacked somebody else because somebody else wanted what they wanted, whether it was a toy or food or whatever, right? That first time, and you, and you think, oh my goodness, where did that come from? Like, mine. There's a little monster inside of there. That's not the way I'm trying to raise the child. Well, you don't have to instill that. It's the nature of the old man. It's self-preserving at all costs, even at the expense of doing good. That's just the old man, the old nature. You find yourself prideful, thinking that you're, or feeling that you're better than somebody else. Envy. When somebody else is blessed or something's going well, and you tend to just like, ah, Why is it going good for them? Envy. Self-pity. Irritable. Angry. Like me with the cat. Resentful. Unbelieving. Doubting. Selfish. Defensive. Insecure. Right? All these are part of uh, the results of a nature that we're born with called the old man. Now, it's our disposition, but it also directs us. We're directed by that nature. Romans chapter 8, a couple of verses here. Romans ver- chapters 6 through 8 are wonderful passages, just like Galatians 5, if you want to study this concept of the old man and the, and the new man. Right? Um, Romans chapter 8. Now, what we're talking about is the, the, the makeup or the definition of the old man. It's not just a disposition, but it always drives us. It directs us, right? You in Romans 8? All right. I'm going to go back all the way up to verse 5. You've got to get some context here. Listen to what he's saying. For those who live according to the things of the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's the flesh, carnal, old man nature. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. You see how it's one or the other? For to be carnally minded, that means to think according to the old man, is death. It leads to separation of godliness. Distance from God. Spiritual death, physical death. But to be spiritually minded, just the opposite. It's life and it's peace. Because the carnal mind, now remember, that's the old nature, the old man, is enmity against God. It's opposed against the things of God. Doesn't harmonize, doesn't get along with. It's against God. For it is subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The the carnal mind directs to carnal behavior. The disposition that puts self first, that just, you know, I just feel like I'm grouchy and I just, I don't like you, I don't like what you said, so I'm just going to lash out. That, that response that comes up within that, that, that we act on leads to the death of things that are of God. It directs our life. To be carnally minded is to live carnally. To be minded or driven by the old man is to live like the old man. To be spiritually minded is to live in the spirit, life and peace. It directs life, which nature is directing you. 
today? Which nature directed you over the last seven days, the last week since we met last? And finally, it has to do with our desires. Romans chapter 6, what you desire. How, how do I find where my old nature is? Well, here's a, a really good place to find it. Let's start, let's just look at two verses. Verse 11, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, watch this, verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. The carnal old man lusts. Now let's just remember that that term lust has a broad scope. To, to long after, to lust after, to need, right? A driving desire that I have to get that, I have to have that. And it comes from something that is at enmity, disagreement with God. So that's what sin is. It's when, it's when we desire something that God doesn't desire. We long, ache, yearn, chase after, go for something, even in the instantaneous moment, that is not of God. It doesn't harmonize with the Spirit of God and the things of God. And it's a desire, nonetheless, that you and I have. It is. It is. Does it direct your life? Are those the desires? What do you have to have this week? Now, be honest, because, you know, we're in church, and you're probably like me, and you think, what do I have to have this week? I have to have Jesus this week. I have to have God and him alone. I know we like to say that in church, right? Is it true? So is that really, like, what you're spending your time focusing on? Let's, let's just sit down and review the history on your internet search. Now, I'm not even talking about perverted stuff. I'm just talking about things that we long for to have, to know, to experience that are not necessarily of God. Things of the world. Things. Period. God never designed for man to lust after things. Do you know that? So if we're lusting after anything, it is of the old nature. It's not of God. So what does it mean then, now that we know what it is, to put off the old man? Back to verse 22 in Ephesians 4, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt. How do you put off? Well, that word put off means to lay aside. Putting away. I like to think of it this way. It helps me when I read these passages. Because, by the way, you can find at least four, maybe five other passages that use the very same wording, talking about the very same concept. To put off and then to put on. And it's always dealing with the same thing. To put off, to, to cast off is the way I like to, to view it. So if I'm getting in a ship, and this ship is going to be my means of, on, of being on a journey. I'm going to go from uh, the bay in San Francisco to Tokyo. And that's my journey. And to leave the port, 
the dock, the bay, at some point I have to literally cast off, don't I? I have to literally disconnect and push away from, to leave behind, lay aside. And notice, when I'm going on a journey, now if I'm just going fishing, I'm going to come back, but I'm going on a journey because I'm supposed to be following God and and the Christian life is a journey, a walk. And if that's the case, then that thing that I push off from or cast away from is something that I'm not supposed to go back to. I'm not progressing on my journey unless I'm casting away from the old nature. Cast it off so that you can be on your way, on your journey, living in the new man. Knowing and experiencing the things that are in harmony with God's nature. Peace and life, right? To put off. So how do I do that? Let me give you three very simple steps. First, we have to learn to recognize it. We must learn to recognize the old nature. This is a hard step, folks. It means admitting, uh uh-oh, I see what's going on here in my heart, in my mind. I realize that I am letting my nature, my inclination, come from this old self that doesn't need God, that doesn't want God. I'm desiring after things that are not necessarily of God. My response to some person is out of a self-defense, self-preserving, self-promoting mechanism. Boy, guys, if we could just learn to to recognize when that happens, understand that it's going to happen, right? There are times and weak points in my life when I know the old man is going to raise up and remind me of things gone past the way I used to be when I couldn't escape myself. And those things are going to press in, and, and, and if I, the more I respond to them, the more I just do what comes by the old nature, the, 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 the more it comes. It's like feeding the monster. He grows, and he gets an appetite for more things of the flesh. Learn to recognize I know what I'm doing right here. I know where that desire is coming from. That's not of God. Where are those? Recognize it first. Number two, we must confess it. I'm going to tell you something, church. This will help you. You just have to decide real quick. Is this something that you want to do or not? Do you want to put off the old man and put on the new man? I mean, you have to answer that question between you and God. Nobody else knows. If you do, if that's your desire, to experience the life and the peace and the joy that God has for you, the abundant life that he promised, right? If that's your desire, then you have to go one step beyond recognizing where the old man shows up in your life. You have to literally confess it. You have to verbally articulate to God that that is of the old man and you see it. It's such an important part of the process. It agrees with God. It's the necessary step to be able to repent of something. And you know what repent means? It means to turn from. Well, if that's the old nature, and I need to turn from the old nature and turn back to the new nature, then first I have to recognize it, then I have to confess it. This is of the old nature, God. This is not of you. This is wrong. And then I repent. Third step, we must repent. And that means turn from it. That means change. Let it go. 
Stop it. You can. Say, I don't know. Sometimes I get I just get in the, you know, when I'm angry or or especially if I'm really uh, in a fearful situation where I feel like I'm being threatened, I just kind of react. I just kind of respond. Okay, you do. But listen, if you will practice, if you will slow down and, 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 and recognize and then confess and then repent each and every time, that process gets easier and easier. It gets more natural and more natural. It's like respond to the light that you have and God gives more light. The first steps are oftentimes the, the hardest to putting off the old man. Because we, we're familiar with the old man. We're familiar with our old nature. It's comfortable. It's convenient. It's been around my whole life. You just have to see what it brings. Verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man. Now watch what it brings which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. You see it in Ephesians 4.22? It grows corrupt. That word is like withering, spoiling, decay. Church, listen. We have to make some changes. Us, disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to do some things differently. It's not okay to try to live in both worlds. Have it your way and try to please God at the same time. This stuff, this old man, brings withering, wilting, decaying, dying off, growing, corrupt, putrefying life to your marriage to your parenting, to your relationships, to your life, to your own sense of well-being. You do not have to wear the old man anymore. Because every time we do, it brings corruption. It begins to decay. So what is he saying? What do we do? The old man brings this decay. Now watch this. Decay or, or let's say, um, you know when a, let's say a mouse dies in the attic or maybe the basement in some part of your house? And how is it that you usually discover that that little rodent has died in your house? Right? You smell them. Why? Because that little organic matter, that what was life, is, is decaying. Do you know when that begins to decay, the only way to deal with it is to throw it off, to get rid of it. You can't cover it up and make it better. It's already in a process of decaying. There's no way to dress it up. You can't put lipstick on it and squirt it with a little perfume and think that it's going to come back to life and get better. It's not, and that's the same with your old nature. We don't handle it. We don't try to justify it. We don't try to hang on to it just a little bit and dress it up and make it look godly. We get rid of it. We reject it. We don't just reject it. We replace it. Where do you learn that, Pastor? Let's see. I'm just reading here. 
that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man. Well, isn't that what he's saying? He's saying, don't just reject the old nature, but replace it. Put on the new man. So let's look at this new man. Well, define it first. What is the new man? Back to Romans again. Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read this little passage, and then in your mind, I want you to answer the question, what is the new man? Here you go. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Do you see it right there? It's the Easter message. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death... The old nature has been put to death. Jesus died for our old nature. Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. That means there's new God life available that replaces the old life. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin, freed from the old nature. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. All, listen carefully, all of the new nature you're ever going to get is found in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ in you. When the Holy Spirit of God comes inside of you, he, remember what Jesus said, wait for the, the promise, the, 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 the helper that's going to come, the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will remind you of what I have taught you. He will be your help. He'll be my nature inside of you. Abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. There it is right there. The new nature is Jesus' body, when he died, didn't stay in the tomb. We know that. We celebrated it just two weeks ago. He came. He rose from the dead, and he came out of the tomb to show that he still has life to give. Life that defeated sin, the old nature, can leave it behind. You're not subject to it anymore. You're not captivated by the old nature anymore. You're not drowning by it. You're not shackled to it. You've been set free of it. Now it stays there to remind you, and it haunts you sometimes, and it creeps up. But listen, it has no sway, no control. It's put to death. And the new nature, the new man, is the nature of Jesus Christ. Jesus' own nature. You see, guys, the Christian life isn't as much about trying to do what is right. Are you going to finish that sentence? Because that seems wrong to say. The Christian life isn't so much trying to do what is right. It is letting Christ do right through you. It's more about surrender, giving up, than trying to do. 
And part of the surrender is putting off the old nature, making the choice, the confession, the repentance to turn from the old way that you're not defined by anymore and instead turning to the nature of Christ, the nature of Christ that's in you. And listen, letting the nature of Christ have his own way in you. It's not just the nature of Christ, it's his life, Jesus' life. How do I know what his nature looks like and where it shows up? Well, we gotta look back to his life. What did he do? What did he say about himself? What did he teach us? Aren't you glad we have a savior to give us new life that showed us what that new life looks like? You think, well, Jesus did all that stuff because he was the son of God and he was supposed to. Yeah, he did, but he also did it for us to show us what living life should look like in the new man. Think about it. I want to show you this. Think about the Christian today who lives his or her life obsessed with career, obsessed with obtaining wealth and goods and and serving myself and, and making my life what I want it to be and contrast that to the life of Christ. Did Jesus spend his earthly years living to make life what was good and pleasant and comfortable for him? Was he all about building an empire unto himself? No, he said himself, I came to serve. His whole life, listen to me, church, his whole life, his disposition, his desires, his priorities, everything that he did was geared toward loving God, following God, serving others. That's, that's the absolute summation of Jesus' entire life. And until that becomes the summation of your life, you never learn to put on the new man. You can't put a piece of them on. You can't say, I still want the old nature here, and then I'll just put on one sleeve of the new nature here because I'm supposed to. You've got to let the life of Christ take over. You've got to be, listen, there's no middle ground, church, and this is anti-Christian church message in America today. I'm telling you what you don't hear. Jesus wants all of your life. He wants all of your disposition, every relationship, every dollar, every second of every day, and every encounter that you have, every circumstance, every situation. He has a will and a specific purpose to glorify the Father, and he wants you to serve. He wants you to give your life to do that. And the moment you make that decision and say, yes, Lord, I'll put off the stuff that I was thinking was for me, and I'll do it for you, watch how quickly and how powerfully the new life comes to reality empowers you to do the things that Christ was doing. Life and peace. I wish I wish I could I wish I could crawl inside your heart or your brain right now and just take this truth and just like I don't know, like a thumb drive. Plug it in. Because that's really what you're looking for. That's really what you want. It's really what you need. Don't be distracted with the things of the old nature. It always brings death and decay. So how do we put on then the new man? So we see it, we, we identify the old man and we put him off, cast away, recognize, confess, repent. 
And then we turn to the new nature. Now I'm looking at Jesus' nature, his life inside of me. How do I put that on, in a sense? Even though he's dwelling in me, how do I put that on? And there's three things that I would tell you. Three things to help you with this. Number one, know him. Know him. Jesus died so that you can have a personal relationship with God. Sometimes I think we miss the amazing, awesome impact of that truth. That we could know him personally. We could walk with him. Talk with him. That he knows what's going on in your life this week. He cares about what's going on in your life this week. And not only that, he has something that he wants to do in you, in your life this week. And he'll tell you what it is. And then he'll help you to do it. That's called knowing him. You got to remember, let me just turn very quickly to John 13, who he was, what it means to know him. Listen to this, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. This is, you want to know me? I'm all about loving one another. All about, hey, I know, you're tired, you're sleepy, I have to help you draw these connections. If my life is all about loving one another, that means that it's less about me. Somebody do like this. Are you awake? Right? Loving one another like Jesus loves. Let's see. How did he? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God's love sacrifices. Gives for the benefit of somebody else. Doesn't hold records of wrongs or measure degrees. Right? That's God's love. If that's, if that's what I want to know him and do in him, then it's less and less about myself and more and more about you about others in my life. Christians today, I'm just going to say it now, I'm including Christians all across America, so don't be offended, but Christians today are selfish and we have no reason to be. Know him. Jesus was trying to tell his disciples on his last few days what he's all about. Here's, here's how you know me. Here's what you've learned from me. Chapter 15, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Watch this. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, I chose you. These things I command you you love one another. You see, if you're going to know Jesus, you need to know that about him for sure. Do you know him? Listen, maybe the more important question is, does he know you? Is he hearing from you? Is he spending time with you? Are you acknowledging him? 
I don't know about you, but I'm just thinking reading that, that if I'm caught up in all my own life and trying to do this for me and more of that for me and, and you affected me this way, so I'm putting you off. If I'm doing that, then I'm, I don't know Christ. I don't know him in my life. We've got to know him. We've got to walk with him. Number two, follow him. What does it mean to put on the new man? Follow him. Luke chapter 9. You ready? Everything's been easy up to this point. <laughs> You're thinking, that was easy? That's, uh, that's hard. That sounds rough. I'm going to read you this passage. And we're going we're to close in a minute here, church. I'm going to read you this passage. There are words of Jesus. And he's telling people how to follow. Here, you want to follow me? He wants that. But he says, make no mistake, understand what, what you're saying, what it means to follow me. Okay? To put on the new man. Listen carefully. Verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Can you see Jesus walking in your life? Walking before you? Whatever's going on, what's going on? What are you struggling with? What's happening around you? And there, there he is, and Jesus is walking in your life through it. And you want to follow him because you want to put on the new man. It says here that what I have to do is first deny myself. Boy, there's a real theme going on here. Put self aside. What is that? That's the old nature. Deny self is to put off the old man. Make the choice. Then he says, take up his cross daily. And we think, wow, that, that cross for Jesus was, the whole thing about that cross was, was giving up his life for others. Daily. What if you lived every single day this next week for others? Would that change the way that you live? Would it change your priorities in a given week? And, and listen, it's not to say we can't have fun in life. It's not to say we can't enjoy one another or laugh. But you can approach your day based on how am I going to live this day for somebody else? Or how am I going to live this day for me? And it will make all the difference. Old man versus new man. Let him take up his cross daily. And then he says, and then follow me. See, when you deny yourself and you live your life for others, guess what you get to do? You get to be with Jesus. You get to walk with Jesus. I'm just asking. I'm just asking, church. Is there anything that you'd rather do? Is there anything better from now through eternity than walking with Jesus, doing what Jesus does, experiencing what he alone can do? I mean, do you know how good he is? 
Do you know how sweet God's love is and how incredibly freeing his grace is and how wonderful his, even his righteousness is to know what is right in the eyes of God and to do it, to be content and fulfilled, to have peace and joy? All those things come with following Christ, following Jesus in your life. That has to be the most important part of every day. How do I follow him? Today I have to deny myself, take up my cross, live my day for others, and follow him where he goes. Now now I want to say this before we close. There's one more point. You need to hear what God is doing in your life. If you're going to follow him, you need to know where he is and what he's doing. Right? Brings me to the third step, putting on the new man. Obey him. Obey him. You turn back to Romans chapter 6 and read those two passages, and then in Romans 8, where we read in verse 16 or so. If you read about those, you'll hear about that we obey whoever we put as our master. Servant obeys the master. Who's your master? Is it yourself? Is it the world? Is it your job? Or is it Jesus? Because you will, it's just the way it goes, you will obey whoever is your master. The Christian life, putting off the old man and putting on the new man is really this simple. You ready? Learn to hear from God every day. Learn to hear him. Well, how do I do that? My friend, he's given us his word, the scriptures. He's given us the Holy Spirit, his very powerful being inside of us. And he'll speak. If you want to hear from God and you're not spending time reading in the word and you're not spending time praying to him, you probably won't be hearing from him. But it doesn't take long. Listen, you get into the word of God every single day, you start reading, and all of a sudden those words that are just words come to life off the pages, and you begin to think, God, what are you saying to me in this? And, and it's, you have to learn how to do it, but, but once you do, it's very freeing. This is what God is saying to me in my life right here, right now, today, about this thing. So we learn to hear, and then we learn to respond. I've heard God, now I need to do something with that. Usually involves some adjustments and doing something specific that he said to do. Hey, 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 hey. This is a, this is a lot, I know. But you can do this, church. This is what Ephesians 4 is all about, teaching us to do this. We can do this. We can learn to hear from God, each one of us. We can respond to God when he, when he says something to us. We can make whatever adjustments are necessary, and we can do what he tells us to do, whatever it is. Guess what that's called? Putting on the new man. Letting the nature of Christ have his way 
in your life. And by the way, this is what he says about that. Close it off, verse 24, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Remember the old nature? The old man is capable intellectually of, of, of weighing and measuring the stars and figuring out all this technology that we have, yet stumbles over spiritual truth time after time after time. We can't find righteousness on our own. But the new man was created in righteousness. God will give you his rightness in your life. Put it on. Put it on. Start walking. Started the sermon with the story of Julie and I and having time, and I set out to do something that was good, something that was caring and gentle, and somewhere along the line, I usually end up making a choice that takes me in a different direction. Anger, outburst of wrath, destruction. What you have to remember is that story was to help you see in your life every time it boils down to a choice that you make. You can choose to walk with God this week. The question is, will you? Will you put off the old man and put on the new? Let's, let's do this. Let's make a decision right now to try that to do the very best we can to obey God and put on the new man. Would you pray with me? Bow your heads and pray. Let's just make that decision. This week we're going to try that. Father, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, delivering us from sin, forgiving us of our sin. And, and we no longer have to do what's wrong and bad and dark. You've given us your nature. I agree with you, God, that my life is to put on Jesus Christ, to serve others and glorify God. That's my life. Help me to do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never taken the first step. Just spend a moment praying, if you will. Just talk with God. You've never taken that step of faith like the girls that we saw baptized this morning to surrender and trust Jesus as Lord and follow him. I think it's time that I do that because the old nature can't, it's not working. I need a new nature. I need you, Jesus. If that's you, would you pray with me? Forgive me of my sins, Father. You sent Jesus to die on the cross for them. And I place my faith in you. Dead to sin. Lord Jesus, come alive in me. Give me your nature. And those of us who have made that decision to trust Christ as Savior, and God's put his spirit in you, are you walking according to the old man? God, help me. I see it. I confess it. 
This morning I repent and turn from it. And I see you, Jesus, and I want to follow you instead. Show me how to obey you and follow you this week, putting on the new man. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church, as you learn. We learn together to do that. That is the battle of the Christian life right there. But make it a daily battle. Make it a struggle that where Jesus wins every single day. We're going to take up an offering. If those guys that are going to help with the offering would come forward at this time, I want to invite you to take out your chat cards, take out your offerings. We've got stuff to put in these offering plates as an act of worship. Now here's what we're going to do, because this is worship, giving to God. Would you just imagine for a moment that as the offering plate comes by, and we're going to pass it down every row, so just hand it to the person next to you. As that offering plate comes by, that God's hand is underneath that plate, and he's holding it out in front of you. The first thing that you can give to God, put it in his hand, is your response. God, I heard from you today, and I want to give you my obedience. I want to give you my life. I want to give you my whatever. Put that on the chat card. Put it in the offering plate. The second thing is tithes and offerings. I want to give to God. What would you give to God? He's given you everything. He, he owns it all. And he wants from us a gift of worship and an offering. And what would you give him? Between you and God this morning, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for all that you've given us, our salvation, our freedom, our new life, our friendships, our family, this church, and every dollar that we have in the bank. This morning we choose to give back to you. We worship you, and here it is, our gift. We pray that it's pleasing to you. In your name we pray. Amen.